Hey everyone, it's Ariel Hawani. And I'm Chuck Mendenhall. And I'm Pete Carroll, and together we are Three Pack. Join us on the brand new Spotify Live app immediately after all of the biggest fights in combat sports. And also during the weigh-ins, because that's when the real drama happens. So what are you waiting for? Follow the Ring MMA show right now on our exclusive Spotify podcast feed. And come join the best community in MMA. Peace! We're out of here. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. I, like, what? what is, do I need to keep going? <laughs> I mean, you can. This is fun. But but I take your point that it's sort of like, what are we even Dalton Schultz! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the island on the Bringer NFL Show feed. I'm Norman Piatti and I am here with the MVP of the island, if we're being honest. No offense to all of our illustrious guests, but we've got Steven Ruiz. Eat it, Steven, losers. Welcome back. Eat it, losers. MVP. I might get in trouble for that. I got in trouble earlier this week for not following Solak on Twitter. I've remedied that, uh, but but now we're just adding insult to injury. Uh, Steven. You are a, a repeat, a many-time Islander. Um, and I think your record so far this year is is pretty strong. I mean, you know, Trevor, like, uh, the option in, in New York, I guess we never fully tested that out, but they inched closer and closer and closer, it seems like. Um, what was the other one? I know I'm missing one. Lamar should never play another game for the Ravens. Lamar should which... never play another time for the Ravens. Well, I guess we'll see. I guess the jury's still out on that one. But what have you got for us today, Stephen? So this is a topic near and dear to my heart. Oh, boy. We're going to talk about Dak Prescott. And I didn't know how to frame this, this, uh, this episode or this take because there's a, there's a bunch of ways you can go with it. There's like the, the Dak Prescott is overpaid take that I would push back against. I would, I would actually argue he's underpaid. There's the... I, I don't know. He's not good enough to get them to a Super Bowl take. But I'm just, I settled on, he's the best quarterback in the NFC. And if we're talking about getting a, a team to the Super Bowl, if you have the best quarterback in your conference, I think that's a pretty good head start. <laughs> so I'm on Dak Prescott is the best quarterback in the NFC Island. Think of the island like a record spinning on a turntable. Only now, that record is skipping. Okay. So. This is interesting because before we started recording, uh, you told me and producer Stefan Anderson, our illustrious producer, that you might cry during this episode and that you were sitting in front of five pages of notes. And when I hear you say Dak is the best quarterback in the NFC, I guess my question is, is that conversation just is Dak Prescott better than Jalen Hurts? Because I looked it up by EPA per dropback, and the quarter, the NFC quarterbacks that we're talking about are uh, who are above Dak 
are Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy, who, by the way, total aside, this is so unrelated. But if you want a good laugh, if anybody wants a good laugh, just like look up Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy's statistical comparisons because they are the same. (laughs) They are the exact same numbers, except one of them, Brock, takes fewer sacks. Everything else is literally identical. The Shanahan offense is a miracle. Anyway, unrelated. Those two. Uh, then you've got Hertz and Jared Goff. I think with the Garoppolo, Purdy, two-headed monster and Jared Goff, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time there. Hertz no. is the one where I go, okay. But I, but I would say that's just based on this. Or, that's just based on the season, though, because I think like in the grant, like if you ask the, a random fan on the street, like which quarterback would you rather have for 2023, you would get answers like Matt Stafford. I think some people might pick Jared Goff over Dak Prescott because he's been to a Super Bowl. Tom Brady is still in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is still in the NFC. Like, I think there are a lot of players that, like I said, if you ask the average fan, think is better than Dak Prescott and would have them next year over Dak Prescott. So I, I like based on this year, yeah, it's really just oh, yeah, he's better than Jalen Hurts, which is, you know, it's a complicated conversation because they're two different types of quarterbacks. But I think it goes beyond that. And honestly, this is really, it's not really just Dak is uh, the best quarterback in the NFC. It's just that Dak is severely underrated. And the way that he gets talked about is very frustrating for me. And that's why I I have five pages of notes because it gets into a lot of things. Like just narratives is the one thing that I think is very easy to push back with Dak Prescott. And then we talk about all of the the shortcomings he had this year. It, I say all of them when it was really just one, just the inter- interception thing. And then the bad performance against the 49ers. We've now seen him have two bad performances in a row in uh, playoff losses. So there are, are a bunch of narratives surrounding him. He's overpaid. He doesn't elevate his team. He's been a product of a good support system. Uh, he throws too many interceptions. I can he doesn't I can go keep going on and on like he doesn't win in January he's not a winner all of these things and the, I can push back against easily they are verifiably false and that's why I have five pages of notes because there's a lot of evidence backing up the fact that Dak Prescott is not just a good quarterback he is one of the very best quarterbacks in the NFL now I'm not saying he's elite because we have some very good quarterbacks at the top of the hierarchy like he's not better than Josh Allen he's not better than Mahomes he's not better than Herbert he, I don't think he's better than Lamar I don't think he's better than Joe Burrow, but Joe Burrow is a name that's going to come up a lot because the way we talk about Joe Burrow should be the way we talk about Dak Prescott. Sure. It's also and funny I'll that just like the takeaway right. from that that list is the NFC quarterbacks are really nothing to write home about right now. Um, I, I take your point that if we expand beyond just this season, you start adding Brady and Rodgers to the conversation. But based on this year, particularly given those two guys' age and the fact that both of them have have had moments in recent memory where they have at least flirted strongly with retirement. It's a little rough out there. It is very like all of those names are are in the AFC. Anyway, you went through all of those narratives. Let's start like let's let's see if we can get the waterworks going as fast as possible. Which one is the most flawed? Which one bothers you the most? Uh, let's go with the, the clutch, the winner. Let's go with that one. He's not clutch. Okay. He's not a winner. He doesn't win in the, right. he doesn't win in the fourth quarter of the playoffs, which is me. 
I can't think of a more wrong statement. Here, here's a stat. Since 2016, when Dak Prescott entered the league, there is not a better quarterback by EPA in the fourth quarter of playoff games. And it's not close. It's he's averages 0.33 EPA per play, which is around like what Patrick Mahomes would average over the course of an MVP season. Next on the list is Aaron Rodgers at 0.28. That 0.05 gap is huge. It is huge. He's also eighth in EPA overall in the playoffs since 2006 or 2016. So he's been one of the best playoff quarterbacks in the NFL. He's been one of the best fourth quarter quarterbacks in the NFL postseason. And somehow he has to deal with this narrative that he is not a winner and he's not clutch and he doesn't come up in big moments when he does this in the fourth quarter in the postseason. Now, let's talk about another quarterback who who does get that the benefit of the doubt. Let's talk about Joe Burrow, who is known as a winner. Big game Joe, yep. he shows up. He has a so worse... Cool. Yeah. The Bengals have not scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter of any postseason game he's played in. They have scored 12 points if you include overtime. 12 points. Sam Hubbard has led more touchdowns than Joe Burrow has in his postseason career. <laughs> Why? How is he clutch? He has a worse... Let, let's expand the scope to the, play, uh, to the full playoffs. He has a worse playoff EPA than Mark Sanchez, who also went to two straight oh AFC God. Championship games to start his career. Why is he a winner? Why is he a winner? And Dak Prescott is a loser. Someone explain this to me. I can't believe we've already invoked Mark Sanchez for seven minutes into this podcast. We, That's really interesting, though. I, I, I got to be honest. I'm surprised. I'm not coming off that. the Burrow thing yet. I'm not coming off the Burrow thing yet. All right. Dak Prescott's, game against, Dak Prescott's game against the 49ers. It was horrible, right? What, what, a, what a choke job. It was against the number one defense in the NFL. Let's, let's not forget that. Sure. Two of Joe Burrow's playoff games last year were worse by EPA. But he's just the winner. He's just the winner. He hit, his EPA per play was worse than Dak Prescott's in, in the Titans win. But do you know what the headlines were? I Googled this. Do you know what the headlines were after that game when the defense picked them off three times and, and set up the game? Also, congratulations for Googling it. Joe Burrow overcomes nine sacks to lead the Bengals to a win. And now we have conversation. Now we're talking about Joe Burrow possibly passing Patrick Mahomes. And then in the same in the same breath, people are asking, why doesn't Lou Anarumo get more respect? Hmm, I wonder why. I wonder why, guys. Anyway, that's enough on. Joe Burrow. There's a lot of silliness going on. But the, the only reason I bring that up, it's funny how narratives just get formed and like you, you never come off of it. Like by Dak Prescott's age, Peyton Manning had three playoff wins. Dak Prescott has right. two. Right. His third right. playoff loss, his third playoff loss, we just saw Dak Prescott's third playoff loss, was a 41 to nothing loss to the Jets. When he had three Hall of Famers on the offense, a Pro Bowl left tackle. Wow. Could you imagine what was being said about him back then? Well, in theory, yes, but I wonder if it actually was. I'm not done. I'm not done. (laughs) Tom Brady had a worse playoff performance in, in a divisional round loss last year. Aaron Rodgers had a worse divisional playoff round loss last year to the same team. He didn't score a touchdown. Why are these the narratives around Dak Prescott? Well, I, don't I can think it. of I can think of two main reasons. Yes, his team has not gone to a Super Bowl. That or it's not gone to an NFC Championship. Yes, the the more innocent of the two is the team that he plays for, which has a playoff history oh, I see in, the other one over the course for, of yes. both of our lifetimes that's not not particularly pretty uh 
The other one, I'm sure you can guess, is a little yes. bit less friendly. Yeah. Um, and that's also a topic I want to bring up because I think that's, I don't think that's all of it because I do think we, we, we have become obsessed with rings and legacy and all this talk. But I do think part of it is the fact that Black, our, <laughs> Dak Prescott is a Black quarterback. And I don't think that people are used to discussing Black quarterbacks in the terms that we discuss cerebral quarterbacks. They don't get as Which much credit to that. who Dak is, yeah. He's a pre-snap. He wins pre-snap. He wins with his mind. He's a processor. He's a pocket passer. We like typically, especially now, those guys get celebrated because it's they're becoming rarer and rarer. Do you remember like the hoopla around Mac Jones? Just because the guy went from one to two in his progression and stayed in the pocket because he couldn't leave it because he can't move. Like it, it's it. Th- this is why I said I was. I might cry. This is why I said I get very frustrated about this because it's just not based in reality. Like there's so much yeah. proof pushing back against all of these notions. He is he is ninth in EPA per play since he was drafted. He is sixth in success rate. The only quarterback in the NFC right now, and this includes Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, the only one ahead of him in EPA and success rate is, or it's just success rate, is Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's because he has Kyle Shanahan. He's ninth right. in passing yards. He's sixth in, in passing touchdowns. He's fourth in wins. The only quarterbacks that have more wins are Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. And Russell Wilson, right. he's fifth in wins. He wins. He puts up stats. He, he's clutching the playoffs. He's clutching the fourth quarter of playoff games. He's a pocket passer. He, he's not like, he doesn't play this like reckless style. His game is going to age just fine. Like, this the is, other thing is that he's not overpaid. Like, he's, not, this is a piece that, this is a piece of the narrative that I don't understand. Dak is not that expensive. Quarterbacks are just expensive. He's he, he's eighth in average annual value on his current contract, which is probably, by the way, like right around where he fits in the right, yeah. league rankings overall. And that's actually, that means that he's not even being paid commensurate with his ranking because there's just always going to be a couple great quarterbacks on rookie deals who don't factor into the salary rankings. That's fine. That's just how it works. Right. He's making what 34-year-old Matt Stafford makes. I mean, (laughs) sure, I'm sure there are people during that Super Bowl season that would have made an argument that Matt Stafford is a better quarterback. Who would you rather hitch your wagon to right now? Matt Stafford with his arm falling off or Dak Prescott? I I don't think that that's a difficult conversation. I think that's like honestly sort of madness. Yeah, and there's there's been talk about his cap hit. It goes up to fifty million next year, but they can restructure the deal and and save twenty two million dollars. And the cap is going up. Like we, the reason that his cap hit is so high in the middle two years of the con, and I think this this year and next year or next year and the year after, in two years of the deal is because the rest of the deal it was like seventeen million, nineteen million. These like incredibly, incredibly, incredibly friendly numbers. If you have a good quarterback on a second contract like yeah that has nothing to do with Dak they chose to have it be a lot in a couple of years and a little in the rest of the years they could have probably structured it in a way that spread it out more evenly and they didn't that has literally nothing to do with him and they can restructure his deal and and save 22 million dollars like they can bring his cap hit down to like a 35 38 million dollars we like a month ago we were talking about oh should the Lions Resign Jared Goff? Should he be, we were talking about Daniel Jones making forty million, and we're worried about Dak Prescott making like five more million than those guys. I don't. He makes forty million dollars a year. I'm not gonna like. I'm really, truly not gonna bat an eyelash if the Giants pay Daniel Jones like thirty three million dollars a year. Right. 
that's just the world we live in right now. Like the NFL we live in, right. those guys get paid. And Dak Prescott is a top They make a lot of money. Quarterbacks on second contracts are expensive. It's just, it's just how this works. But Dak Prescott, where he falls, Derek Carr makes more money than Dak Prescott. Like, if, Dak Prescott is not expensive. He's not an expensive quarterback. The Cowboys are not extending themselves financially in a way that is is at all unusual. It is like incredibly ordinary, if not actually kind of a bargain. What makes no sense. Um, I think we should talk no, about the inter- should we talk about the interceptions? Yeah, let's do it. Let's thing. talk about the interceptions and let's talk about the offense because I do like uh, I think you're I mean, I know you're absolutely right that we should spend part of this conversation talking about you know, what it means to be a cerebral quarterback and what the different ways we talk about white quarterbacks who play that way and win that way versus black quarterbacks who play and win that way. I also think that there's a factor in that that has to do with this specific offense for better and worse. So talk to me about, like, what is your thesis on the interceptions? Well, okay, the interceptions. One, coming into the year, he had a 1.7% career interception rate. Over that span from 2016 to now, the only starters with a lower rate are Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, and Breeze, and Alex Smith, who, uh, I mean, we know what was going on with Alex Smith. He was throwing four-yard passes. But the, 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 those other four are Hall of Famers. So he, right. it's never been a problem coming into it. Now, let's talk about the 15 interceptions he threw this year. Five of them were as a result of a drop, a miscommunication, hit his thrown, Receiver fell down or a stopped route. That's not me. That's PFF charting those. That's according to PFF slash True Media. A third of them. The only other quarterback with more than three of those, of that genre of interception is Justin Herbert with four. Josh Allen, who was right up there with him in picks. I know Josh Allen two more passes, but whatever. Just let me cook. <laughs> only had two of those. Burrow only had two of those, and Burrow threw 12 interceptions. Mahomes had zero. Lamar had zero. Like these other guys, he got very unlucky. Yes, he threw a lot of bad interceptions. But also that the, the total is kind of inflated by the fact that there was a lot of weird interceptions baked in there. And a lot of the interceptions came in situations where interceptions aren't necessarily necessarily the worst thing in the world. Like on third and long and you're throwing it downfield and you get an interception, that's not really that bad of an interception. Like that's by EPA or, or win probability, that is a better play than taking a sack on second down. So yeah. I, think, I think we kind so- of tend to over put too much weight on interceptions and then the fact that he's never been an interception prone quarterback before and the fact that the, a, a third of the interceptions were basically not his fault I, I don't see why we get hung up on such a small sample size of a bad play so that I, I i agree with you totally on that point the only thing that i would would push back on is just like this is not Dak's fault what's uh, whatsoever is maybe too strong but this is not primarily Dak's fault i don't think that that was I don't think that the interception thing was 100% just weird right like I I think part of why he threw those and that includes the five that were tipped or dropped or whatever has to do with the types of throws that this offense asks him to make like Dak had to throw into traffic a lot Dak threw uh Dak threw a pick the second and two pick which I think of the the two picks against the 49ers was the one that you don't like, right? Like the the third and nine, first of all, it's third and nine. Um, but he's maybe a little bit late or Gallup didn't quite right run the route correctly. Uh, whatever. I'm not gonna not gonna 
be super critical of that one. The second and two is mainly bad because it's second and two, but he's also forcing the ball to CeeDee Lamb between Fred Warner and Jimmy Ward. He shouldn't have thrown that ball. Right. So yeah. I, we can't, like, in this specific, and we're not using one play to, to base an opinion off, in that specific moment, I don't think Dak should have thrown the ball. I do think that there is something emblematic about, of that, of what happened in this offense this year. Is that, like, he was forcing the ball to CeeDee Lamb when CeeDee Lamb was super-duper covered. Like, if you look at the dots on that play, when I was a little kid and I was, like, walking with my parents, they would do this thing where, like, each of them would hold one of my hands and I would, like, swing between them. That's what it looks like. Jimmy Ward and Fred Horner are, like, just, like, right next to CeeDee Lamb and CeeDee Lamb's right in between them and it's, like, a cute little sandwich. Bad place to throw a football. And if you're throwing into traffic like that and if you're throwing to covered receivers like that and trying to to use these, like, split seconds of timing and understanding what defenders are going to do to make the right decision, you're going to get tipped balls because there are, within the general vicinity of where the ball was supposed to end up when he threw that ball, there were six hands, right? Like, there's six hands. That is six hands that can touch it and make it go weird places and have it bounce. And, like, you're just going to have a lot of that if you run an offense like this. And it doesn't, it is not, like, Dak is not, not part of that conversation, but the first part to me is how this offense works. And it's not the reason that we know Dak is not the primary piece of it is because Mike McCarthy has done this with another quarterback and it didn't go well then either. So, it, yes, I think we have to bring up the fact that. I think you said five of of the picks this year were in situations like that that are sort of fluky. I don't know that they're totally fluky, but the flukiness shouldn't be used to indict Dak. It should be used to indict the offense. That's that's at least how I look at it. No, I think that's fair, and I think, I mean, we ne- we never know like what kind of input the quarterbacks have on this o- on the offense. Like Ben Roethlisberger famously didn't like play action, didn't like going under center, and and that's why the Steelers' offense was the way that it was. So maybe Dak Prescott has this preference preference where he wants to play this style, this style that puts so much on his plate. It's really like a grown-up adult passing game. It's It puts a lot <laughs> on the quarterback. He has to set the protections. Yeah, It's full field progression reads. Like, this isn't... And I, I don't want to disparage Jalen Hurts now, but, like, you watch the Eagles offense, and it's, it's totally different. It's n- nothing like it. If he was asked to do what Dak Prescott does, I don't think he would have as clean of a game as he typically does. Now, like I said, that could be Dak's preference and maybe we're blaming the wrong person. But this offense does tend to produce those types of throws as evidenced by the fact that Cooper Rush, his turnover-worthy uh, play rate was higher than Dak's by a couple right. percentage points. Like he, It was one of the worst in the league. Obviously, he's Cooper Rush and he's Dak Prescott, but I think it at least suggests that this offense tends to ask the quarterback to make risky throws. Dak Prescott led the NFL in tight window throws according to next-gen stats. Right. That's another part, thing. A court, like, if you miss by, like, he, the margin for error is very small because, like, it's a timing offense that asks you to throw into tight windows and to anticipate. So, if you get one thing wrong, like, you just guess wrong a little bit or you're half second late, like on the Gallup throw, it's an interception sometimes. And the fact that he hasn't had a year like this before 2022 is a testament to his processing and his decision making. 
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. I am very, if it's not sort of obvious at this point, like I am very quick, quick to blame McCarthy frankly. I also think part of it, you know, we should talk about how this roster was built and whether that's Jerry Jones, whether that's Stephen Jones, whether that's Will McClay, just the the whole way that, that this front office works is its own bag of worms. But <laughs> if this is like inextricable from McCarthy, but I do think that like, if you look at, you know, he runs this version of this West Coast offense. And if you look back throughout his career, if you look at, at how things have gone in, in Dallas, if you look at his tenure in Green Bay, a recurring issue for his offenses when they had down years was either because they thought it would work out or just by necessity when the offense really only went through one guy, right? Like the year he got fired, it was it was the offense really struggled because it was just like all on Devontae Adams. Jimmy Graham was the next closest pass catcher that year. And if you go back when, when those Packers offenses were at their best were, you know, when they won the Super Bowl, they had Donald driver, they had Greg Jennings, they had James Jones, the good years in the 2010s. It was either Jordy Nelson and Jennings, Jordy and Randall Cobb. Like 
it doesn't work at its best if it's going through primarily one guy. And I think if you do, you know, if you do a little bit of hindsight being what it is, this year, the idea was for CD to to kind of grow out of being mainly a slot guy and play a little bit more of that flanker role. And they had this idea where it was like, okay, we're going to try to use our scheme so that even if CD has this really, really, really heavy target share, really, really, really heavy share of the production in this offense, that that's okay. And I just think that you don't really have proof of concept for that idea throughout this guy's entire career. And I don't know if that's, I mean, it's definitely a recurring theme for McCarthy. So maybe part of that is on him still, or if that's a front office thing. And part of it, right, is like maybe there's wishful thinking that Michael Gallup was going to be healthier and was going to recover from the injury in in a better way. Um, And even in this game, right, like maybe if Tony Pollard doesn't get hurt, like we're talking about the receiver positions, it's obviously different, but he's one of your explosive, you know, receiving targets in in a lot of ways. Um, So there are certainly things that are outside of their control that could have made a difference. But I do think that like, Look, if you can look at at past McCarthy offenses and go, when you tried to funnel it all through Devontae Adams, it still didn't work, then I think you probably can logically follow if you try to funnel all of this through CeeDee Lamb, it's also not going to work. And that's no offense to CeeDee Lamb, who's great. But there's just not a lot of history to say that this, this idea is effective. And it just makes it too too hard on the quarterback. And if we're not indicting Aaron Rodgers for that, I don't like we shouldn't do it to Dak. Right. And you brought up two good points. I think the offense, the nature of the offense, there's a lot of isolation routes where you're asking the receiver to win on their own. And the Gallup interception against the 49ers is a good example of that. Like if you pause it at the at the moment that Dak Prescott is throwing the ball, Gallup has leverage on the defender. Like he's in front of the defender. It's a comeback route. He could box him out. He could, he should make that catch. Or he should at least not let the the cornerback cut off the route. Dak trusts him to do that. He throws it. He tries to anticipate it. Doesn't happen. The cornerback gets it. Gallup kind of gave up on the play. But I think that speaks to your point where this offense is better when you have dudes that can win. And they only have one guy that can win. And I see a lot of people like talking about his supporting cast. It, it feels like Dak came in in 2016 and did have a good supporting ca- cast. One of the best offensive lines. Zeke was at his best. They had uh, Des Bryant. They had Jason Witten, who was kind of washed up at the time. Des was kind of washed up too. Uh, But, and it feels like since then, we haven't updated our our perception of what the the supporting cast is. The supporting cast this year was not good at all outside of CeeDee Lamb. Austin Gale posted this chart. It was uh, total EPA on targets for the Cowboys receivers. After CeeDee Lamb, do you know who was second in total EPA on targets? T.Y. Hilton who was signed in the middle of the year and is like 35 year, a 35-year-old uh, burner, a downfield stretcher. After him was Jake Ferguson. Ah. Jake Ferguson is a person that does not exist. <laughs> I'm sorry. People bring up Tony Pollard and Dalton Schultz. First of all, Dalton Schultz? Dalton Schultz? <laughs> Dalton Schultz was a fourth-round pick. Dalton Schultz had 55 catches, 555 yards, and five touchdowns at San By the way, too many fives. That sounds pretty good for a tight end, right? One year, 555 yards, five touchdowns, 55. That was his entire college career. Why is Dalton Schultz like a weapon that we name? Why is he a <laughs> back of the box feature when we're talking about their offense? Tony Pollard did not, how many, 
let me ask you this, Nora. How many NFL games did you play in this year where you had over 15 touches through weeks one and eight of the 22 NFL season? Well, me, zero. Yeah, that's funny because Tony Pollard had the same amount. He didn't start <laughs> getting the ball until week nine. And then he, he, he missed the last two games. From week nine to week 15 is when Tony Pollard was getting a lot of his touches. Do you know who had the best offense in the NFL for, in, during that span? The Dallas Cowboys the Dallas did. Cowboys. What a coincidence. When he had a second good player on the offense, they had the best offense in the NFL for that stretch. And then we talk about the offensive line. The offensive line that ranked 28th in ESPN's pass block win rate. Yeah. That dominant offensive line that gives Dak Prescott so much time. It ranked 14th in PFF pass blocking grade. So even by that standard, it was mediocre, league average. By ESPN's charting, it was one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah. So... I mean, when you start to chip away at these narratives and these and these these points that are used against him, he doesn't win, even though he wins more than any other quarterback besides the guys that are going to the Hall of Fame. He does he doesn't win in the fourth quarter, even though he's the best fourth quarter playoff quarterback since he's entered the league. He's the eighth best playoff quarterback. He doesn't his supporting cast was not good at all this year. And he still produced very good football. He was the best court if you exclude interceptions for everyone, not just Dak Prescott, he was the best quarterback by EPA. By success rate, without even excluding the interceptions. He was the best quarterback in the NFL by success rate, which means they were consistent down-to-down, better than any other passing game, including Patrick Mahomes. I, like, what, what is, do I need to keep going? <laughs> I mean, you can, this is fun, but, but I take your point that it's sort of like, what are we even Dalton Schultz! <laughs> All right, maybe we shouldn't keep going if, if it's just going to end with the two of us screaming Dalton Schultz back and forth at each other. Um, I'm sure that's good audio, but... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, no, it, it's 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 been a weird... This is like the first therapy session of the island. It's been a weird week because it is like, it just seems like a lot of the DAC arguments boil down to he didn't, like, a winning quarterback is supposed to win the game by himself. That's not a thing. Like, that's not a... Mahomes doesn't do that. Mahomes, like... We're making an argument about Patrick Mahomes being, like, the ultimate difference maker. And first of all, he's maybe the best quarterback we've ever seen. So it's a little bit unfair. But second of all, Patrick Mahomes is impacted by his situation. Patrick Mahomes has done this incredible thing this year where they can move on from Tyreek Hill and be just fine offensively. That said... They made a bunch of offensive line upgrades that, you know, I, I don't uh, if you give that people in that building true serum and ask them if they would would undo the Orlando Brown move if they could. Maybe. I don't know. For the most part, all the decisions they made to to upgrade along the offensive line have worked out. That's been a, it's not like, oh, my God, this is the greatest offensive line ever. But that that has worked out. They really lucked into Isaiah Pacheco. And that's been a real asset to the offense. And and Mahomes is also special, right? But like, you can't even look at maybe the best quarterback ever in the ideal year to prove that someone who is really transcendent in that way can transcend situation. And he still didn't. Nobody does. That's not a thing. That's just not how quarterbacking works. It also it, hurts your case when Chad Henney comes in cold off the bench and leads a 99-yard drive. And then in their True. first Super Bowl run, Anything he comes off the bench and clinches the, the Browns win. Yeah. It yeah. It's just it's just 
it's it's not a thing and we choose to apply it in only very specific circumstances. Dak has definitely been on the receiving end of that this week. It's weird. It should stop. Um, and I agree with you, Stephen. It's very dumb. I'm 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 on the island with you here. I don't know that we didn't really talk that much about whether Dak is the best quarterback in the NFC. I, I do think the Hertz thing is really interesting because you're just talking about such different styles and at what point you want a quarterback who impacts the run game in that type of special way over someone who is an elite processor in the way that Dak is. I would choose Dak like just for the long term. Um, I, I do think that he's operating at a much higher degree of difficulty, but I, that one's tough and, and I would be amenable to kind of, you know, choose your fighter on that. And people are going to have different and, and viewpoints on you, what they want offense to look like. And stop if you've heard, heard this before, a second year Eagles quarterback having a breakout behind the best offensive line <laughs> in the league when they have, when they have mediocre early down results and are very, very, very good on third down, which we has proven to be uh, unsustainable year to year. And they are very, very good in the red zone. And that is the main reason for the breakout and the big statistics. Stop if you've heard that before. Wow. And stop if Jaylen we've ever Hurts had that. going to have to beat the Carson Wentz allegations. And, and stop if we've had that debate regarding Dak Prescott before, by the way. I remember the Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz uh, debates. That's true. That's true. What a time. But, and it, here, here's the reality of the situation and why it's so flawed the way that we talk about quarterbacks. Dak Prescott has been in the year or been in the league for six healthy seasons. That means there have been six Super Bowls. That means there have been 12 NFC title places. He's been in the NFC with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Patrick Mahomes is, is on the other side of the bracket. Uh, Shanahan's 49ers teams, Sean McVay's Rams teams. Like, is it really that crazy that he hasn't gone to an NFC title game? His rookie year, he had the game tied with Aaron Rodgers. He like was matching Aaron Rodgers throw for throw in the playoffs. And the only reason they lost is because Aaron Rodgers made one of the best throws in postseason history to Jared Cook. And then Mason Crosby hit like a 50-yard field goal that had Skip Bayless questioning if like God had in intervened in the play. <laughs> That's that what it took to, for him to lose the first time. Yeah. When they lost to the Rams in 2018, or it was the 2018 season, it was in 2019, that was one of his better games by EPA. Like, he had a good performance and they lost. So that's two losses where he's played really well against, one was against one of the greatest quarterbacks we have ever seen at his peak. That was the best Aaron Rodgers we have ever seen, in my opinion. The 2016 uh, year where he won yeah. MVP. And then one of the best offenses we haven't seen. Now, Jared Goff, I'm not going to like put him on that pedestal, but obviously that offense was... One of the best ever. It was the best in the NFL. Those are the two teams he lost to. Like, and those are two out of his four playoff losses. Like, it's just, it's not fair the way we talk about quarterbacks because only one guy can win a Super Bowl every yeah. year. Yeah. Only one yeah. guy. Only two guys in the conference can go to a conference title game every yeah. year. It's been six years. Drew Brees was 31 by the time he got his second playoff win. Dak has two. Philip Rivers had three playoff wins at Dak's age. Peyton Manning had three playoff wins in six games. Dak has two in four games. If you can do math, that's the same winning percentage. <laughs> and Dak has produced, outproduced all of them in the playoffs. Well, good thing we can't do math. Yeah. I guess the good news out of this is like, I don't think they're very far away. I mean, clearly based on the quarterback performances that, that, they are getting this team is in a 
relatively good position. I do think like, look, the one thing that we're not talking about in terms of just is he taking advantage of good situation is that one thing that is that has been different this year um, is that the investments they've made defensively have started to pay off. I'm not saying it's perfect defense. I'm not saying it's the 49ers defense, but they're in a window where they can have a really, really, really good team. Now, whether or not they do, I am 1 million percent with you. That does not hinge on Dak playing differently or better than he is playing right now. He can play exactly the same and they will be in a great situation. I do think they, the the good news from that is maybe this is naive. I just feel like this team could get one more difference maker offensively and things might look really different. They might be in a situation where like you can beat Brock Purdy in the 49ers, right? Like, it, it doesn't seem the thing that gives me sort of anxiety about whether or not it's going to happen is just Mike McCarthy has had a lot of, lot of moments to get this right and doesn't have a great hit rate at, at doing so. But I do really feel like if they could just add a little bit of firepower on the offensive side so that there were fewer of those tight window throws so that you have just one more guy who can win, a lot of the issues with this offense would go away and it would mirror the really good offenses that that he ran in Green Bay, which always had solid secondary options. Yeah. So the good news is that, that like finding a franchise quarterback is the hardest thing to do in... in football, maybe in professional sports. Congratulations to the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> You're good. It's fine. Everybody calm down. Yeah. I, like, I would be optimistic because, like you said, there's like two fixes. You're, they're like two fixes away on the offense from being one of these teams we talk about, it, like having a realistic shot at winning the Super Bowl. Find a second receiver, maybe find an, another lineman or, yeah. or yeah. figure out what to do with Zeke and Pollard. I know Pollard just suffered an injury, which is unfortunate. They're close. They're very close. They're an offseason, a good offseason away, a good draft, a good free agency, a good trade. Just just one of those three things. They're that close to getting to a point where I think Dak Prescott, if he doesn't win more, then it's fair to start criticizing him. But like but I mean, criticizing based on this fa- on this notion that he has this great supporting cast just isn't true. And it hasn't been true for a few years. Like the offensive line fell off after like two years. Like it's been fine, but it wasn't the elite unit it used to be. The other thing is like, they, I mean, look, I get it. They scored 12 points. I, the other thing that we didn't talk about is I think the game plan was to, like, I understand being scared of the 49ers defense. I would be scared of them too. But taking that fear and turning it into a game plan where you do not test them downfield when that is like one of the few places that they're vulnerable, that is something that I don't think is being talked about enough this week and might have something to do with why they only scored 12 points. But you only scored 12 points. It's not a good game. By the way, I don't think Dak had a good game on Sunday. I just no, he think did that it's one game. Also, they lost by a touchdown. They were underdogs. They weren't supposed to, like, the 49ers are really good. The 49ers were favored to win that game. It kind of makes sense that the 49ers won that game. It's not some big, massive surprise. Right. And, like, the the Cowboys dropped their interceptions. The 49ers caught theirs. Caught like, that them. was 
that was the difference in the game. Like, I feel like the quarterback performances, when you like add in the context of who was calling the plays and who what they had to work with, wasn't that far off. Like, I, I thought both teams got basically the same because around the interception, Dak was fine. I mean, they were moving the ball. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Dalton Schultz? Come on now. <laughs> All right. I'm very obviously on the island with you, Stephen. I'm going to ju- like you and I can just this is great because I'm on the island. We can keep yelling on the island. Um, we've probably done enough for for today, but I apologize to all of the listeners ears. I'm very leave sorry. Dak alone. Just Everybody leave Dak alone be now. nice. Calm down. It's going to be fine. Criticize, <laughs> criticize Dak one more time. And I'm going to scream Dalton Schultz in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. This has been the Island on the Ringer NFL show feed. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Steven. Thank you to Dalton Schultz. I'm sorry you were slandered so much on this episode. We will be back next week. For now, Shield Kapadia will be up next on the feed, going in-depth on NFL news tomorrow on The Scramble. Thank you to Stefan Anderson for production on this episode and to Connor Nevins and Arjuna Rangopal for additional production supervision. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln and the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates.